Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Lexi. And I'm Sam. Today, we're going to talk with Brant Dubovic. He's the director of brewing operations for Dry Hop Brewers, Corridor Brewery and Provisions, Roebuck Pizza, and Crushed by Giants. And we're also going to dive into a little bit of history on some doom metal. Uh, they had a beer with Sleep. If any of you are privy to the doom metal scene, both here in Chicago and at large. And smoked IPAs, which uh, taste a lot better than it sounds. I think they sound great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're also going to hear a little bit about uh, what it means to own a brewery, a brew pub in Chicago and what it's like running an operation uh, of their size at this particular time. They're tough times indeed. So without further ado, let's dive and get heavy. Welcome to Heavy Hops, Brent. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background uh, in the beer world and how did you kind of end up meeting uh, Greg Schuff and starting off with uh, Dry Hop? Yeah, so I, I was a normal nine to five guy. I was a project manager for a contracting company. I grew up in New York on Long Island. So I was there, hated my job, wanted to put a bullet in my head every day just going into the office every day was miserable. Um, so I was getting married and I floated the idea of, hey, Long Island's pretty expensive to live on. What would you think of me becoming a brewer for $8 an hour in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, if that's what you wanna do, if that's your dream, let's go for it. I was just home brewing at the time. I had been a bartendering in bartending in probably four or five brew pubs in Pittsburgh and Long Island at that time. Um, so I took the Lancaster Brewing job just to get my foot in the door. We basically lived off our wedding money for a year because I was getting $8 an hour. She was getting $10 an hour as an office manager at a, a furniture warehouse. Um, so I just bit the bullet and sucked it up for a year. Uh, after the year, they offered me a whopping raise of $1 to $9 an hour. And that's Hell when I- Hell yeah. <laughs> <Big money. laughs> that's when I said, I think it's time to maybe try to become a head brewer somewhere or <laughs> move up the chain as opposed to just being a shift brewer at Lancaster. So uh, I had went to school, college out by uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, had lived there after school for four or five years and uh, knew the knew the beer scene. So uh, I saw that the Church Brew Works was hiring, which uh, was started in 1996, I believe was the first year they were open. This is 2004. Uh, they were looking for an assistant brewer and I knew Brian Pearson was a hell of a brewer. He was the original brewer there. Uh, so I sort of became, I became his assistant for a whopping $11.25 an hour. I like this. Uh, it's a 30% raise uh, from yeah. where you started. Yeah. And made the, made the move up to uh, to Pittsburgh, and it was good to be there. I still had a lot of friends from school and uh, friends from bartending in Pittsburgh for three three or four years. And uh, Brian uh, pretty much admitted six months into me being the assistant brewer that he was trying to handpick his successor because he was going to buy into uh, Brewing Science Institute, which is the East Lab in Colorado. Uh, not as big as White Labs and uh, a couple of the others, but they're really high quality yeast and a lot of the craft breweries are using them. Um, so he bought into that and I was basically his handpicked successor to take over the church. Uh, took over the church for five and a half years as the uh, head brewer and uh, was very happy in Pittsburgh. 
uh, the church started going in more of a uh, production uh, out into the world, uh, uh, four packs, six packs, uh, and tending to stray a little bit from the brew pub format, which I love. Uh, so I looked on probrewer.com and uh, Greg had posted that he was doing something in Chicago. Uh, talk with my wife again. Uh, she was not te terribly happy in Pittsburgh. She was she she was happy, but was up for. I said, "Hey, let's. I'm not going to go crazy. I'll throw a couple of resumes out there." So I threw one out to uh, Six Point in Brooklyn because we grew, both grew up in New York, and then uh, one to uh, with Greg, who was at the time known as Last Bay Beer Company, which is still our LLC. Um, and Greg got back to me out to Pittsburgh, interviewed me, and offered me the job. It was significantly more than what I was making at the time, which was not eleven twenty-five an hour anymore. It was actually a decent salary uh, once I got to the head brewer status. And uh, Greg wanted wanted me in Chicago and made me an offer that I really couldn't say no to. And so we packed up and moved to Chicago and uh, started with Dry Hop. Uh, it was always Greg's goal to not have one of these, to have several of these. So that I like that vision. He never wanted to be uh, start like a 20,000 uh, square foot production facility and uh, worry about being on the shelf in Binnie's. He always wanted to be, to be a brew pub concept. So I like that. Um, and yeah, now we have Corridor, which was our second one in 2015. Uh, then we opened uh, Roebuck, which is right next to Dry Hop, uh, which is... We sort of, during the COVID era, combined the two and made it like basically, for lack of a better term, dry buck. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, all dry hop beers, but you can still get the Roebuck pizzas and uh, the dry hop burger. It's a combined menu, basically. So we're relaunching Roebuck as its standalone restaurant on the 7th of uh, July. So that'll be... And we also put in a griddle, so we'll have a burger there and some sandwiches and something besides pizza because people were like... We love pizza, but can we get something else besides pizza on the menu? So, and then uh, now we have Crushed by Giants, which is going to be opening very, very shortly. So you mentioned that the brew pub format and working in like a smaller facility as far as brew space um, was something that attracted you to this project, and that was kind of where you started at the beginning. Um, what is it about working in like a smaller production facility and something that is maybe a little bit closer to the consumer? Um, what is it about that that attracts you in some way? Well, it's mostly mostly for me, it was to do with the restaurant aspect of things. I grew up in the restaurant business. Uh, my parents had a uh, seafood, uh, uh, seasonal seafood restaurant in Greenport, New York. I uh, started as a dishwasher there and worked my way up to bartending there. I been in the restaurant business since I was 13 years old. I love this industry. Um, and that's more why I really like the brew pub concept, but also from the brewing side of things, you have a little bit more creativity, a little bit more freedom, a little bit more artistry, as opposed to going into Lagunitas and pushing buttons for nine hours and squeegeeing floors, and then you go home. Yeah, how has that freedom kind of dictated what you brew both maybe at dry hop and corridor and is there kind of a theme between the two that you kind of stick to with the brewing process yeah well dry hop started we wanted to really focus on america the american ipa and uh the hoppier varieties and then do the seasonals it was always greg's and sort of mine to not have a portfolio 
of like, we're going to always have these five beers on. We sort of went with the concept of we're going to have this one beer on. <laughs> so it's uh, Shark Meets Hipster at Dry Hop and Wizard Fight at uh, Corridor. And now we're going to have Neon Werewolf at uh, uh, Crushed by Giants. So those will be like the three flagships. Uh, and then five rotating beers that can be anything. Cool. Um, but yeah, we did try to differentiate a little bit and like corridor when corridor opened we opened as a Belgian farmhouse, urban Belgian farmhouse and concentrating on a lot of saisons. And then, uh, fortunately we were able to snag, uh, uh, Roger Cusellas and, uh, Eric Padilla and, uh, sort of, it was mine, Rogers and Eric's sort of vision to pivot to the hazy style, which was sort of taken over New England at the time. And still had not been really fine-tuned in the Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. Some breweries were doing it really well. Some breweries were doing it really badly. We wanted to be one of the breweries that did it really well. And fortunately, Roger and Eric and myself, to a degree, had a really passion for hazy beers and wanted to make it work. So now that's sort of the farmhouse style didn't really translate. So now we're sort of with all the concepts going with that like hoppy variety. Yeah, that was, I remember uh, when, yeah, Roger and Eric were both over at uh, at Corridor, um, and the place was getting really well known for those, like, hazier, more, like, contemporary styles of, of IPA, and it was, uh, it was really interesting because I remember reading all these things on Beer Advocate, like, oh, Corridor this, and, uh, and I, I, like, I had known about, I had been a customer at Dry Hop for a long time, and... I thought, oh, my lazy ass had better walk over to Corridor because it's so it's not even that far away. But go check out what's going on over there. And uh, yeah, it was definitely just at the precipice of the right time to be uh, focusing on those styles in a lot of ways because it really took over a lot of the, not just the smaller breweries here in Chicago, but even some of the larger breweries started catching on to some of that uh, not long, not, not terribly long after that, I think. Yeah, and it's so weird. I mean, they're both only a mile and a half away from each other. But, I mean, in Chicago, that might as well be 25 miles. Like, it's a completely different... I mean, it's in Lakeview, but they're both completely different uh, patrons. Mm -hmm. uh, like, Lakeview, where Dry Hop is, is like a completely transient neighborhood for the most part. It's like... I, I equate it to you get out of college, you get your first $50,000 a year job, and you automatically move into Lakeview if you're going. And then you sort of evolve into moving to... Once you have kids, you either move to Lincoln Square or Lincoln Park, and and Southport has sort of, it's a lot more family structure. We have a lot more like families coming in, but it also seems to be that we get more beer geeks going in a corridor than Dry Hop. Um, it seems like Dry Hop or Dry Hop is more of like people that are just starting to get into craft beer, mm. and corridor sort of people who love craft beer and have grown up with it and love it and. Uh, want to be part of something uh that we're doing at corridor and uh, i hear a lot of complaints i don't really have any uh i hear a lot of complaints about dry hop that beer geeks don't go to dry hop because there's no parking over there which well, there's uh, there's no parking in chicago i know <laughs> so i don't know if i'd buy that yeah <laughs> but it seems like dry hop people like the hazy style has taken off a of dry hop to a degree but it seems like people still are like wetting their feet in the in the craft beer and still prefer the traditional american ipas and like easier drinking stuff and pilsners mm -hmm. whereas corridor everybody wants like what's hot and 
cool. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it does come down to that place uh, being uh, relatively early as an adapter to those styles. And um, you can gain the loyalty of those people. Uh, it's amazing because I think that specific um, group of like uh, beer beer aficionados or like beer interested folks are always accused by larger breweries of being disloyal customers because they're always going after like the new thing. But uh, I think that goes to show you on like a smaller model, you have uh, flexibility to do different things and retain those people. Agreed. Definitely. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the, one of the beers that we have that we're drinking right now. Uh, We have handful of minutes, which is a session IPA. Um, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. This is uh, this is a dry hop beer. Uh, Steve Adams is our head brewer over there, and uh, he he came up from uh, he was out at uh, uh, Tangled Roots out in Ottawa, and uh, he was also at State Brewing or uh, Capital Brewing in Madison, Wisconsin. And then he we got him, we snagged him from a distillery in New Orleans, uh, Porch Jam, and uh, he's from Chicagoland area originally. So he moved back up, took over, and he loves the IPA style. He likes he loves brewing the hazies, but he he really likes like the sessionable, more sessionable, more West Coast style, more APA style. So um, this we tried to accomplish. I mean, it's always been like in my in my mind, some of the session IPAs have always been a little thin. Like the maybe the hops popped a little bit, but the body was really thin. I think he did a really good job with like making this. Uh, somewhere between like an APA and an IPA and the, and the hops are really popping in it, which is really nice. Yeah. For the 4.8%, I think it's difficult to make a beer that doesn't taste like hop water. Yeah. Uh, when you get into, um, examples of that, that are produced by larger, by larger breweries, it, it's hard to avoid, uh, that because you do lose body in that alcohol content. And, uh, they may also be, there's maybe aspects of using extracts and other things too that uh, play into that in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned uh, getting, uh, bringing in a brewer from uh, a facility that's larger than yours. Is that the type of, uh, are you finding that as you've grown and as you gain more locations that you're attracting uh, brewers that are a little more experienced than you may have at the beginning? Or is it, is that a function of this industry just having so many professionals now versus when you started? We, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot of people looking for jobs, and there's going to be a lot of more people looking for jobs due to COVID nineteen. Unfortunately, in the coming months, um, we've always our philosophy was always promote from within. So until we hired Eric, everyone had brewed previously at uh, one of the facilities. Like Roger was the original assistant brewer at uh, Corridor until before he went to uh, Forbidden Root. Um, I knew Eric through uh, Beer Geek Circles and, and just going to bars and uh, knew, knew I, we had done a couple collabs and we were in talks of doing collabs when he was at, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Break Room. Um, and unfortunately that, that, that place is no more. Um, so, and I knew he had a passion for the, the hazy style. So he's really, he he and Steve were the first that we sort of, uh, imported for lack of a better term or went after. Uh, and now that's trend is sort of continuing with David Kearns. So, um, yeah, I think it's just that there's a lot more people out there, uh, 
to, to choose from and a lot a lot of skilled brewers that are want want to be in the brew pub atmosphere want don't want to be in a production atmosphere where it's very regimented and uh, stale um i think there's a little a lot more fun in a brew pub atmosphere interacting with guests being able to have a beer at the bar not to say i mean tasting rooms are pretty much at every brewery now so i mean most brewers can do that nowadays but um yeah yeah i mean we always wanted to promote from within and it's sort of become more difficult with uh i don't know our front of house employees making all we used to like promote from our front of house employees and our restaurants are busy and they make a decent amount of money and brewers don't make a lot of money <laughs> so yeah. a lot of them don't want to be brewers mm -hmm. they want to continue to be bartenders and servers and work their way up through that chain of command as opposed to starting as an assistant brewer and not making much money and uh i mean our company is a little we're always we're gonna i mean with COVID 19 i can't say what the future holds but the future was always to have like 20 or 25 restaurants and brew, all be breweries so there was always that if we hire you as an assistant brewer and when we open another one you'll go to the other one mm -hmm. that's sort of in COVID 19 i don't know if that's sort of stalled um so i'm not planning on going anywhere i don't think my head brewers right now are planning on going anywhere so if you start as an assistant brewer in this company right now it's sort of like well where am i going to go right I, I, I could be making a lot more money if I just keep bartending. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty in general right now with everything going on. So it kind of makes sense. Do you feel as a brew pub kind of concept, there's obviously a larger glut in the beer market in general right now, which is the tons of breweries. Do you feel any kind of competition with those breweries in general? Or do you feel like you act independently and you're more in competition with restaurants? We're, we're definitely, uh, our company is definitely more, more in competition with restaurants in our, in our opinion, where we get along with everybody. We don't really, I mean, there's a lot more. I think when dry up opened, there was maybe 60 breweries in the Chicagoland area. Now there's 160, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, we're not fighting for shelf space on binnies. If more power to you, if you want to do that, we don't want to do that. We'd rather go open and put our money towards opening up another restaurant or another brewery. Um, we do, on purpose, look for underdeveloped brew pub areas of the city. Mm -hmm. Like, it's us and Green Star and Lakeview and Corridor and Dry Hop, and that's it. Um, it's us and Rock Bottom and River North, and I don't even know if Rock Bottom's coming back. Mm -hmm. um, I, I hear they are, and I hope they do, but... We, I don't know if we, we will ever be in Logan Square where there's seven <laughs> breweries on every block. Or, right. Or North Center. Yeah, mm -hmm. North Center, another fine example. Although, I mean, I've talked with Kevin Carey, and he's, he is extremely thankful that uh, that Dovetail opened up around the corner. He says that their business has been booming since Dovetail opened because they just go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Well, there's something about, you know, Everyone probably from the outside sees the restaurant industry as restaurants competing with one each other. But when you have a network of restaurants all in one area and they're supporting each other, it just promotes more growth and more people going to that general area. So, yeah, it, we say competition, but it's it doesn't even need to be competition, though, at the same time, because mm -hmm. you see Let Us Entertain You opening up a full block of their restaurants in River North. Uh, you have Hog Salt intentionally right. opening up a number of restaurants uh, in 
the in the West Loop area, and they tend to cluster things around each other. Yeah, too. Let, let us entertain you is Greg's like lack of a better term vision. Mm-hmm. He really looks to like what they're doing and goes off of that. Uh, in fact, like the dry hop Roebuck model is based on the uh, Stella Barra uh, summer house model, like right next door to each other with different menus. Yeah, it's um, good. Gives people a different taste of what you can do. And it also just, you know, you're keeping everyone coming to you still just diversifying what you do in each space, which is kind of cool. Yeah. From, uh, from a culinary perspective, um, what, uh, what types of consistency do you, I mean, obviously you look for consistency, but more, what, uh, are the culinary focuses that occur? Uh, generally, are you looking to move, uh, to keep certain things at each restaurant or are restaurants going to be standalone individual things as far as food, or is that a work in progress in a lot of ways? So they are going to be standalone. They're always going to have a burger, a chopped salad and a fried chicken sandwich. And then it's going to be like pizza or with crushed by giants tacos or with uh, dry hop more burgers. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, we're always going to have those three staples will be on uh, the chopped salad, burger, fried chicken sandwich. Those are always our top three sellers. So they're not going to be the same burger at each place, mm-hmm. um, but it'll be some sort of burger. And, uh, and then uh, something different, like sort of corridor has like the pizza menu dry up has the sandwich menu roebuck has the pizza the wood fire pizza menu and now crushed by johns will have the taco menu so maybe next time it's a pasta menu or barbecue menu and then but they'll always have be those three standouts do you find the i mean does the beer program kind of maybe not mirror, but coincide with the food menu in any way? Do you try and do some thoughtful pairings or is it kind of two standalone menus at the restaurants? It's really hard to do with our concept because we only have one year round beer. Mm -hmm. So we have to sort of, if we're going to use the beer, we have to sort of build the menu on the one flagship beer we have. And most of the time it's a hoppy beer, which doesn't translate that well into some food items. Um, so we do try to incorporate that one beer in, but it's really difficult for the kitchen to be able to come up with a beer cheese sauce and be like, oh, can I get a batch 001 for the beer cheese sauce? Oh, well, we haven't had that on for two weeks mm-hmm. and it'll be on next June. Right. Cause I mean, our, our biggest, I think our biggest, uh, strength is variety. We're constantly changing beers. Like you can come in a dry up, you can come in a corridor, even in the COVID-19, and there's going to be at least one new beer on each week, which I think our, our guests really enjoy. Yeah. You're doing more than a lot of other restaurants are definitely able to do right now, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. And corridor in the summer, we, we could have like the whole menu could flop in a week. I mean, if we have squeezer or cosmic juice box on the well, 10 barrel batches are gone in 10 days. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, we keep kind of um, dancing around the COVID topic. Let's yeah. uh, let's kind of dive <laughs> into it. Um, you mentioned Roebuck and Dry Hop kind of combined during these times. How else is the whole, um, I guess, would you call it an LLC company? How are you adapting to these very trying times for our industry? Fortunately, we did really well with uh, to-go sales and takeaway sales and delivery sales. We were pretty much between corridor and dry hop dry hop robot combined and corridor averaging a pallet of uh, crawlers going out the door each week 
So that really, really, really helped. Um, and we were doing a decent amount of to-go food, especially at Roebuck. We were doing a lot of to-go pizzas at Roebuck, um, which is great. And uh, so we're, we're hanging tough. I mean, it's been tough. Um, we were fortunate enough to be one of the city's guinea pigs with the street closure on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So for two weekends, Broadway was closed out front of Dry Hop and Roebuck, and it was like 4th of July weekend <laughs> for two weekends, which was great. So mm-hmm. um, we hear they're going to be doing that twice in July and twice in August also, and there's a possibility that they're going to be shutting Cornelia down over by Southport and letting a beer vendor... Uh, like splitting the local restaurants be the beer vendor uh, so you can go to like Crosby's Kitchen or Tuco and Blondie or Corridor and get a sandwich and then go sit in this little like beer garden area and there'll be a jockey box out there with Tuco and Blonde serving beer or a Corridor serving beer uh, rotating uh, weekend nights. Nice. So hopefully that comes to fruition. That's a lot of support. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that sounds like two very, uh, very favorable developments for you guys. Mm-hmm. Is there... Um, uh, any work that goes in with the city to try to uh, have these developments favor favor in any way, or is this just right place, right time? I think it's the right place, right time. We do have our, our Chamber of Commerce over by Lakeview. Maureen did a really, really nice job, and fortunately we were able to do it in front of Dry Hop first, and it, it worked out really well with a couple minor minor glitches. Like they they We weren't allowed to have a jockey box on the street, so we tried to do that on Friday, and they made us stop doing that. A couple other little glitches but for the most part it was awesome and uh yeah i don't know uh greg handles all that stuff so i just kegged off the beer or said this is the beers we have and mm-hmm. hope for the best and then came in on monday and was like what happened to all the beer <laughs> that's awesome yeah. so have you found that brewing has kept a i mean obviously it's going to dip because you don't have the normal customer base but have you been able to keep a less busy brewing schedule but still some of it well uh, yeah unfortunately i had to let three brewers go um so i had to let uh patrick our head brewer at corridor go uh, uh and our two assistant brewers zach and uh, frank uh frank was in the transition phase of becoming the assistant brewer at uh crushed by giants um so we're bringing him back in because we're selling a lot more beer than we had anticipated when this started and uh so we kept steve adams Dry Ops head brewer, and uh, we added David Kearns to the rotation, who's uh, crushed by Giants uh, head brewer. And we kept, um, we basically, David was kept, A, he's an amazing brewer, and we're lucky to have him. And B, he was being paid by Crushed by Giants, not by Corridor and Dry Hops, so it didn't really affect the books that much. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, Patrick and a couple of the other guys were sacrificed due to uh, budget restrictions from the, COVID-19. Um, I, I want to bring them back. Uh, hopefully I can bring them back. Uh, hopefully when 50% is over. So hopefully maybe in the fall, I can mm-hmm. get everybody back. But uh, yeah, so going down two brewers and myself for uh, since March 21st, I think I had to let them go. Um, it's been a very hectic brew schedule between four, four, four breweries. How does brewing work when there's fewer brewers than facilities? Um, They were brewing at, I don't even know where they were today. Uh, They were brewing Wizard Fight at Corridor today. They'll be brewing at Crushed by Giants tomorrow. 
Uh, Frank is back with us. So I'm brewing with Frank at Corridor on Friday. Steve is brewing at Dry Hop on Friday. And David is moving a beer at Dry Hop on Friday. And then next Monday is pretty much Steve brewing or moving a beer and me, Frank, and David at Crushed by Giants moving three beers to get them ready for the, uh, for the release and also uh, brewing three more, the last three beers at uh, Crushed by Giants. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a major juggling act. I do a two-week schedule, and I'd say it probably changes 25 times before the end of that two-week cycle. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, David Kearns joining you. Uh, a lot of people that have uh, been in the Chicago beer world for a certain amount of time have probably knowing or unknowingly had a beer with David Kearns <laughs> at some point. Um, from time at uh, Solomoth, he was also at uh, Great Central Tribes. Um, so he's been around for a long time. And how uh, how did he come into the fold at? Uh, at uh, crushed by giants and in this um in this interesting world of people moving around and uh while you talk about that we're gonna drink happy accident which is his first beer correct that is yeah double ipa uh his first beer with the company at dry hop okay so uh do you mind walking through a little bit how he how he joined us and uh, sure yeah yeah absolutely so um this goes way back so this goes back to 2012 before even dry hop was open uh i started with dry hop on halloween day 2011 and dry hop opened june june 13th uh 2013 so in that two one and a half two year period uh i didn't have a lot to do (laughs) so I made it a point to go around Chicago and introduce myself to the brewing community. Um, Sorry. Uh, Introduce myself to the brewing community and be like, hey, you want to do a collab? We're going to be opening a brewery in two years. And uh, one of the uh, one of our first friends in the industry in Chicago was uh, Pete Crowley from Haymarket. Um, and David Kearns was his assistant at the time. So our third collaboration we did in the Chicagoland area was uh, a beer uh, was a beer to guard with Clementine oranges at uh, Haymarket. So I got to know David through through Haymarket, and uh, su- did subsequent brews with him at uh, Tribes. Uh, we did a double IPA with passion fruit at Dry Hop, and he did one with peach, I believe. And we'd also, we're friends with the Salmoth guys. We've done beers with the Salmoth guys. And uh, I, I always admired his brewing style. Um, as a technical brewer, he's top notch. And uh, I wanted to bring that a little bit, introduce that. Cause I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a hack. I've never been to brewing school. I, I piece it together. I think I make really good beer, but I, I consider myself more of an artist than a technical brewer. And, uh, he, he has the technical ability, and uh, if we're going to start promoting from within, I wanted him and Steve, who has a little bit more technical ability as well, to start teaching these guys and uh, bringing them along a little bit bit more to take over spots in the, in the, in, in the uh, future. Um, he was a great central. Um, he wanted to get back more in the brew pub atmosphere, and uh, so... I interviewed five guys for the Crush by Giants position, and he, he and it came down to him and another guy, and uh, it uh, it was a tough decision, but 
I've, I've wanted to get them into the dry hop family for, for a couple of years now. Uh, and it worked out, fortunately. I never wanted to poach them because I had a lot of respect for Pete, uh, a lot of respect for the Sawmouth guys, so I never really wanted to poach them, poach them from those jobs. But he was looked at when we moved Eric over to Corridor. He was looked at before Steve took the job. Uh, we wanted to bring him into dry hop, and it just didn't work out because he was happy at Sawmouth. I think you uh, you started answering the question I was going to ask next, but what does someone like David bring to the fold for your organization? Love of beer, love of uh, uh, love of talking to people, hanging out, having a good time. Uh, uh, like I said, a great technical brewer, uh, very, very, very well respected around Chicagoland as a brewer and as a person. So. We look for quality employees, and he he had everything that we were that we look for in a quality brewer. Um, and uh, yeah, he besides brewers, he knows a lot of people in the restaurant industry as well. And uh, and uh, it, it was just it just made sense. It was he he was the perfect fit, and it just made sense to bring him on board. You uh, also spoke about uh, collaborations and the you know, importance of that kind of bringing people together and also expanding your network in some way, too. Uh, I remember a uh, smoked IPA made for a special metal band that yeah. we all enjoy. Yes. Uh, is there plans <laughs> to bring that beer back? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we did it. Can I mention the bands? Yes, you band, may. You or can do is there going to be trademark infringement? Or, uh, <laughs> we'll I don't know, we'll J- ask for forgiveness. J- Jason Reeder's not very happy with me, so I'll explain <laughs> that. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, get into it. Um, yeah, so we did, without their knowledge, uh, we reached out to Thalia Hall when Sleep originally got back together, which, oh, man, 2013? It was 13 or 14 yeah. when they 13 did those two or 14. shows, 14. Right? It might have been 14. Yeah, yeah, the first shows at Thalia Hall where they did, like, I think they did two nights. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge Sleep fan. Um, I'm a huge, a huge doom metal fan, huge, uh, like, Caius got me into this whole stoner metal. And uh, I sort of segued when I heard that a, uh, a band was doing a 56-minute single I sort of was intrigued by that and went back and discovered Holy Mountain and Volume 1 and everything. And uh, and then the sciences just blew me away. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, we reached out to Thalia Hall, and Thalia Hall was like, yeah, man, do it. Uh, we'll buy a keg. Uh, they said, hey, we'll buy a keg, or we'll give you the opera box for one of the shows if you give us the keg. And no brainer. We said, yeah, you got a free keg. <laughs> so we gave them a free keg and they gave they gave us the opera box so we did it's called dope smoker it's a uh uh smoked west coast ipa that we sort of uh tried to emulate the uh aroma of a uh, good good weed and uh, i think we really pulled it off and we've done it about like three times since then uh matt pike was at the bar before he went to rehab and really enjoyed it i talked to him briefly and he he was really digging it and loved it um so we did it for their second run at thalia hall which was like two years later i think and uh they didn't give us the opera box but they did buy buy a keg and uh which was fine Uh which was fine um and then uh Luke Tobias, who I'm sure Alexei knows, uh, reached out to us uh, from Kumas in Indy 
and uh, loved loved Dope Smoker and was like, "Hey, would you do a collaboration with Black Acre down here? Not not uh, not Dope Smoker, but like something different for the show they're doing in Indy." I said, "Yeah, man, definitely." So he put us in touch with Black Acre down in Indy, and we did a collab. And Luke was willing. He was like, "Hey, I'm going to get an artist. Black Acre's going to can this. We'll throw Dry Hop's uh, logo on it. I'm going to reach out to the band." So Luke reached out to uh, the band and got an email back from Jason Reeder saying, sleep's a pot band, not a beer band. No thank you. (laughs) (laughs) However, since then, Sleep has done, I think, two collaborations with breweries and put their logo on cans. So Mm -hmm. I I guess he just didn't like us. (laughs) Uh, You you were maybe a little early on that. Yeah. Um, does music, uh, what to you, uh, brings music and beer together in some ways? Ah, uh, it's from a brew pub setting it, and from a brewery setting. I mean, I'd say 50% of brewers are musicians. So it goes to that, to that. I mean, and, and then add the restaurant industry add another 25% of like the brew pub workers or, are want to be musicians as well. Um, I, 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 I like to transition that. So I got, I, I'm old, I'm 48 years old. I'm an old man. Um, so I grew up with this in the nineties and back then craft beer, it was all grateful dead fish, all hippie bands. And now it's all, all the brewers are metalheads, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So, uh, it, it's just like been this really crazy transition. So you got all these like old deadheads hanging on to some, and I love the dead. But they're like hanging on to like, like the early like '90s. You can see like the old the early '90s band, all, all the early '90s craft beer breweries, uh, like putting out like every beer they put out is named after a Grateful Dead song or a Fish song, and now every everything's named after a metal song or a metal lyric or, I mean, Chemist owns a brewery. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's. I was gonna say you yeah. either find direct. Um, yeah band involvement or even band ownership of breweries, which is awesome for us metalheads, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you made a, you alluded to something really interesting that um, that I had a lot of experience personally with when I worked at Local Option, that uh, was probably one of the better beer bars that's relatively close yeah. to Wrigley Field. And so every time, every subsequent iteration of something <laughs> that looked like Grateful Dead or Fish played at Wrigley Field, there would be all these people that like were jam heads that would come in and um, they would be drinking all these like double IPAs. And uh, there were people that I still remember from this day that would come every time they're the they're like highly dedicated people to what they to um, to that music and also to craft beer in a lot of ways. It's like the the crescendo of um, like uh, upper middle class white people that love craft beer. <laughs> um, so what what to you personally connects these kinds of things, though? Ah, artistry. I mean, a lot goes into creating a piece of music. A lot of craft goes into creating a, a good quality beer. A lot of time, effort, um, dedication. I mean. Musicians do it because they nine nine times out of ten musicians do it because they love it. Nine times out of ten brewers do it because they love it. 
it's it's uh, a passion in us. I don't know for for both musicians and for brewers. It's it's. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's about the money. I want to make a living. I want to put food on the table. I wanna, I wanna drive a car. I wanna live in a nice apartment. But that's when, going back to taking eight dollars an hour. That's not what I got into this for. It was mm-hmm. for because I loved beer, and I think musicians get into it because they love music, and want something that stands the test of time. I'm not saying beer is going to stand the test of time because I wouldn't want to drink this beer in 25 years. I will want to listen to Dope Smoker in 25 years, though. Very true. Can't, can't argue that. But there's something about the lasting impact of, you know, even if you look at um, the catalog of dry hop beers that you've done, it's all cataloged, and people can go back and look yeah. at that both on the website, but also, you know, rape beers a thing. So... There is a sort of permanency to what you're doing, and yeah, and will you going back to Adrian, who was our original head brewer at uh, Dry Hop, who's with Five Rabbit now. He uh, he was really into hip hop. I was really into metal. He was into metal. I mean, we've done beers with Acid Witch. We've done beers with Local H. We've done beers with a lot of a lot of cool bands and a lot of cool bands. Acid Witch was great. She she was awesome. They I, unfortunately I had the flu at the time, so I didn't get to go to the show. But they took Adrian. Uh, she took Adrian and uh, Allison Christian, who's with Goose Island, uh, backstage and like showed them all around, and it was, it was great. And we gave them a bunch of crowlers, and they took pictures at like their next couple stops, like drinking dry hot beer, and it was pretty sweet. So I, I get great enjoyment from working with a lot of these bands and other breweries as well. Yeah. That's always fun too. Definitely. I mean, if anything, you know, it gives you a sense of what we always talk about is like a place in time. You know, this is something for now that we enjoy and stands in the future for something everyone to kind of look back on and, you know, reflect. Beer is a definitely a facet of our culture and, you know, what what you're doing and what musicians are doing are pretty much the same thing, just to, two different mediums. So it's, to me, it's just as beautiful as a musician putting together, sleep putting together dope yeah. smoker or something, you know? It's a... Uh, it's a craft that's definitely honored and definitely appreciate it. Yeah, what what they got seventy five thousand and spent uh, twenty five thousand on tube amplifiers and fifty thousand on weed or something. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. I think that's how it works. Cancel right? the production. We'll just <laughs> record it in a basement. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, where what can people expect with uh, from. Uh, all your restaurants over the next couple of months is it difficult to say where do you where do you think covid fits with this what, what what's your imagination saying too well we're wading back into the waters so we're we're not going to fire things up right on uh, friday or um, well i guess this is going to be a little later but uh yeah so we're we're going to wade into the 25 percent occupancy and we i think we've come up with a really good plan as far as keeping our uh our employees safe and, and our customers, um, I wish the employ or I wish the uh, customers would uh, honor the face mask thing a little bit more because some of them are still showing up not wearing face masks and I hate them as much. I'm allergic to the damn thing and I wear it and I hate it, but I do wear it just out of consideration for everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would I wish uh, some of our con- our customers would honor that. Um, and I think it makes some of our employees uncomfortable. And there, and we really want our employees to be comfortable. And uh, I think we've we've come up with a good plan. 
So we're going to we're going to honor the 50%, we're going to honor the the or 25% in Chicago and then when it, hopefully it'll get to 50% pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We are going to have all our tables spaced out 6 uh, feet apart. Fortunately, we had dry hop. We've got the uh, the Broadway street closures coming up for the next 3 months. Um, so in July, August and September and uh corridor we're still selling a ton of crawlers and still selling and we still have patio seating and we'll have indoor seating starting or uh at, by the time this is on and uh yeah we're uh, we're plugging along and uh yeah and uh, we're we're going i mean cross by giants is built out so we got to open it i mean mm-hmm. maybe if this had happened in the beginning we would have thought otherwise but it's it's too late now so we're we're going for it and we're going to open it and yeah and uh we've been fortunate we've been able to to uh pay for some of our employees health care and uh keep every, a lot of everybody employed and uh that wanted to be employed uh greg greg was really generous if you work one four-hour shift uh during a two-week uh, pay period he would cover your insurance or cover his the portion that of the insurance um, so I think, uh, we, we, we've been good to our employees and I think we've been good to our guests and, uh, hopefully there's a vaccine and hopefully this comes to an end soon, but we're going to just, we're going to keep this train on the tracks and keep plugging along and doing what we do. And if we got to go back to selling to go a pallet of crawlers a week, that's what we'll do. Can't argue with that. That's Definitely a, not. You got a plan and it's great that you're supporting your employees even in these kind of trying times you know and kind of speaks volumes whenever we would go to dry hop or corridor you know there was always the same kind of staff and you notice when you see retention like that you know they're being treated well and there's a sort of care from ownership and management about you know who's working for them and it's really nice to know that Someone from the inside getting that kind of perspective. Yeah, it's, it's great because, I mean, like I said, I've been in this business since I was 13 years old, starting as a dishwasher. And, I mean, you go through back-of-house employees and front-of-house employees like it's like it's nothing. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're constantly plowing through, through employees because, I mean, for most of them, it's not a career. They move on or they don't work out or we let them go or they hate us. Mm-hmm. Um We've been really fortunate at Dry Up and Corridor to have, like, I think we have like, I still think we have about four or five employees who have been with Dry Hop since day one. Mm-hmm. That's um, amazing. And <laughs> Corridor too, I think we have two or three guys or girls who are been with us since day one as well. I mean, it. it I've never seen it as a restaurant employee, uh, the retention of employees the way that Dry Up and Corridor has done it so far. So hopefully we can continue that as well. Awesome. Well, I can say, uh, one, thank you for joining us today. And two, uh, I was able to make a beer for Scorched Tundra. I believe it was Scorched oh, Tundra Oh, that's right. 10. You did it with Eric. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I'd say, damn, I would have brought that up. Yeah, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your yeah, generosity. Yeah, Eric, Eric and put that one generosity. together with you. Yeah. That, yeah. He asked for my blessing. And I said, hell yeah, man, do it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to be able to bring uh, that brewery into that restaurant and into that yeah, venue that specifically. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I was out of town that weekend. Fuck. Yeah, well, don't worry. I'll hold the festival again at some <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, I know. I, I was, yeah. Hopefully in the future. Hopefully in the future, <laughs> yeah. A lot of hopefullys, but. Yes. Yeah, yeah I forgot about right That was a great beer. I love that beer. Yeah, that well, good. we can, uh, maybe we can make it again. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, man. 
Definitely. Cool. Thank you for joining us, Brent. Yeah, Thank thanks you for so having much. me. It was great. That was Brent Dubrovic of umpteen brew pubs in Chicago. <laughs> so many brew pubs. All yeah. of the brew pubs. Every brew pub. He's he, the director of brewing operations for. So if, you if your job is that somewhere else, then uh, <laughs> better watch out. Brant's coming for you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, my name's Alexi. You can find me at who the fuck is Alexi on Instagram. Also, uh, as with any other broadcast that you're hearing from us, you can find all of our content at Scorched Tundra on all of the social media that I'm aware of, which is probably less than what is actually out there. And There's, Sam's with us too. That's true. There's plenty of social media out there, but let's just hone in on the Instagram for me. You can find me at Sam, C-A-N-G-E. That is my Instagram. You like food, beer, music? It's what you'll find. Thanks for joining us, and I guess we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>